Thank you for joining the Reading Rant. It is a privilege to come together with you to spend a few time, a few moments. What's going on with me this morning? A few moments in the reading of the word. We spent about 20, 30 minutes reading scripture. And then we spent another 20 or 30 minutes reflecting on scripture. We've been reading through the entire New Testament. Um, and, uh, and I'm excited to read through it with you all today. We're in the book of John. So we've gone through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and now we're going to read through the book of John. And so if you want, uh, if you will go ahead and turn your Bibles to John chapter one, and we're going to kick off John. John is my favorite of the four gospels, right? There's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, or we call the synoptic gospels. They're the ones who, uh, they, they have many similarities. They synoptic, sync, optic, see. So they see the same thing as they're just, they're very similar. So when you think, so when you think of synoptic gospels, just think of similarity. They're very similar. That's why when you read through, uh, you know, Mark or you read through Luke, sometimes you feel like you're reading the same thing all over again in a slightly different way. It's because they are very similar. All right. These are synoptic gospels. John is different from the other three. John is um, distinct from from uh, the other three gospels. So among the four, I, John tends to be my, my favorite. And so um, we're going to read through John chapter. Uh, we're going to start with John chapter one, and then we'll go for another, for about 10 minutes today, 10, 15 minutes since we're starting a little later. Since I got my IG fam live, I got my uh, TikTok fam live. I don't I rarely do this now. So it's kind of cool seeing us all come together to spend time in the word. So really, really cool. Um, so we'll do that. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray and we're going to ask three questions as we get started, as we kick off. The first question that we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question we're going to ask. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? The second question we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And then the third question that we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you as we read your word today. Father, we pray, Lord, that, Lord, you would, uh, Lord, just reveal yourself to us, Lord. Lord, we submit this time to you. We submit this moment to you. We pray your grace beyond this moment. Lord, breathe into it. Lord, we want to be led by your spirit. So we, we submit ourselves to you as we read your word. Let it not be us imposing ourselves on the text, but Father, Lord, impose yourself on our hearts. And so guide us today, lead us today in your word. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter one, and it says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and he's and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. 
were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. Now, this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed. I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, now those who were sent from the Pharisees and they asked him, why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered him saying, John answered them saying, baptize, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who is coming after me. Who is prepared before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel before I came baptizing with water. Sorry about that. And John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who baptized with water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. One of the two heard John speak and followed him. They were Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, 
Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and all the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. On the third day was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they had run out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were a set of six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of, the feast had, master of the feast had tasted the water that they had made wine and did not know where it come from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went to Capernaum, he, his mother, his brother, and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and he found in the temple those who sold oxen sheep and doves and the money changers doing business when he had made a whip of cords he drove them out of the temple <coughs> with the sheep and oxen and poured out the changers money and overturned the tables and he said to those who drove sorry those who sold doves take these things away do not make my father's house a house of merchandise then the disciples remembered that it was written zeal for our houses. Sorry. Then his disciples remembered that it was written zeal for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered and said to him, what sign do you show to us since you do these things? And Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. And then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. 
Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, the disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus said. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name. And when they saw the signs which he did, but Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. I'm going to stop right here. And I just wanted to share a few thoughts with you all as we just reflect on the scripture. If you are here for the first time, this is what we do. We just spend a few moments reading scripture and then I just spend a few moments reflecting on scripture. And I, I really don't have anything planned out. We just prayerfully go into the text asking for the Lord to just speak to us. Like, Lord, what, what are you saying today? This is more about an encouragement of our heart, an addressing of our soul to ask God, just simply prayerfully, God, what, what do you want from me today? What do you want me to know about you today? What do you want me to know um, about myself today? What are you revealing today concerning me? So we say Bible study for another time. And yes, you can be encouraged and empowered and motivated, but that's not what we do at the Read and Rant. This is all off the cuff. This is all off the cuff. This is all simply asking for the Lord to inspire the moment. And so as I read the book of John, and of course I've read this, you know, John more times than I can count. I'm always encouraged by John's approach to this text. We did a reading in the reading ramp before on, on, uh, on John, but we didn't record it. Now we get to record it. And I get to put it on the Reading Rap podcast, which if you have not, by the way, we're at, we're almost at 250,000 downloads, 250,000 downloads. Um, <laughs> uh, and so, you know, it's been really cool just to see people who've jumped on and said, Hey, I want to be a part of this and I want to journey through the Bible. I just want to read with you. That's really my passion. But anyway, it's really exciting to see that. So yes, now this will actually be on the podcast sometime later, but it'll be on Patreon right after this. Um, but anyway, I, 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 I've shared this to say to you that when we read the book of John, John gives us what we call, and I've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it here just to make sure I've got it in. John presents to us what we call a descending Christology, a descending Christology which is distinct from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which present to us what we, what we would call it an ascending Christology. The ascending Christology is one that first starts off with Christ on earth, and then we see it end with Christ glorified. That's the ascending Christology, hence the term ascending. He's ascending. So we see the genealogy of Jesus, right, in, in, in Matthew and in Luke, right? And then in Mark, we just see that Mark gets right into it. He skips the genealogy and goes right into, um, right into Jesus' ministry, right? Preaching the gospel of the kingdom, right? We see all of that. And so we see this sort of ascending perspective, right, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John's a little bit different. 
John, no, not a little bit different. John takes an opposite approach. The approach that John takes is John has what we call a descending Christology. That is that John emphasizes first the divinity of Christ, right? And then brings him down. So he starts from up top and then brings him down, which I believe is so powerful because it at least helps us understand the intentionality of Jesus. Like Jesus is not an accident. Okay. He, he's not somebody who just kind of just pops up and shows up. He's not some kind of like momentary blip in human history. He's not like this sort of flicker of what happens in the life and the history of humanity. Like that, that's not what, what, what Jesus is. Jesus is not an accident. Jesus is very intentional. I think there's something that we have to really be mindful of. Like, it wasn't like, oh, all of a sudden, we were born and we become. Jesus is already before he was even born. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying here? We were born and then we become. Like, we're we're in a a lifetime of becoming, right? You're born not with any, with with much awareness. You're, You're born learning about who you are. You're born learning about your family and your bloodline. You're born becoming. Some of us are still becoming, right? Some of us are still maturing in who we are. It doesn't matter if you're in your 40s or you're in your 50s. There are people right now in their 50s that are still trying to figure it out. Okay, don't feel like you're behind because you're trying to figure it out. Okay, we're all still on this journey of figuring it out. Jesus ain't had nothing to figure out. And John wants to bring emphasis to that. That in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And then he goes on to say that all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. This is who Jesus was. He was there from the beginning. If you were here for our Patreon Bible study, not well, the patrons have the Bible study on audio. But if you were here on um, on Sunday, you know, we were doing some Q&A and someone asked, is Jesus God? And we went through a whole Bible study uh, or a whole little thing on that. And of course, I brought this up for people to understand that Jesus didn't become God. Jesus was God. He was God from the beginning. He was God who was who participated in creation. When you saw in this in Genesis chapter one, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word was there. Right. The word was there. So he was there from the beginning and he is the source of life. Okay. And him was life and the life was the light of men. We get now an understanding of who Jesus was. He was. That's why later on you'll see that you'll read this in John because John brings all emphasis over and over and over again is before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is saying, I was there from the beginning before Abraham was, I am. That's a double entendre, y'all. Okay. Jesus was spitting bars. Okay, because it would have reminded them of when God told Abraham that he was. He said, well, not he was, but he reminded Abraham, I am. Tell them I, not Abraham, sorry, Moses. He said, "I tell them that I am sent you. That's where we get the name Yahweh from. 
So he says, before Abraham was, I am, he was literally emphasizing the fact that I've existed from the beginning. I am God. Okay. Double entendre bars. That's who Jesus was. Okay, cool. Back it up for a second. Cause this is so important. Jesus fully knows. And this is the thought I'm going to leave with you for today. Jesus fully knows who he is. So we're going to sit on today. He fully knows who he is. And Jesus did not need anyone else's approval to be who he is. Because Jesus knew who he was. He did not need public consensus about who he is. Because he is God, he doesn't need your permission or your approval. I want you to think about that for a second. As much as we bitter, sorry, as much as we bicker and argue about the divinity of Jesus, is Jesus God? We argue back and forth. You want to know the person who doesn't care? Jesus. He's not concerned about your opinion. He knows who he is. And while we sit around bickering with one another about the divinity of Jesus and about whether or not Jesus is God whether, or who Jesus is, Jesus is like, I'm God. And I'm God all by myself. And I don't need your approval. So go ahead and argue. But my divinity is not conditional upon public consensus. <laughs> I wish we all would take that position and posture because so many of us are identifying ourselves based off of what people believe we are and who people think we are. Oh, snap. If only we'd be a little bit more like Jesus. Like, like if only we would posture ourselves like Jesus did. If only we would see ourselves as Jesus sees us. <laughs> but we're too busy defining ourselves based off of public opinion. Like, I don't need your approval to be me. I, I am who I am. I don't, I don't need your approval. And Jesus doesn't need our approval either. We have those who testify of who Jesus is. We have those where the scriptures testify over and over and over again of who Jesus is. We see it all through, not just the book of John, but we see it through the entire scripture. As a matter of fact, what, what, what have we learned? If you guys have spent enough time with me in the reading rants and in the Bible studies, all scripture, what does he say? He says, testifies of him. The Old Testament is about Jesus. The New Testament is about Jesus. The gospel is nestled in between. is obviously about Jesus, what we're reading now. It is all about Jesus. If we would be less about religion and more about Jesus, like if we would be less about following just simply a bunch of religious rules and laws and actually be more about Jesus, if we would be less denominational, 
and more about Jesus. If we be less about the kind of church we attend and more about the way that we ought to live. It's perplexing to me that nowadays we consider discipleship information that you have, beliefs that you have, not in the way that you live. A relationship with Jesus is about submission, but we just want rules. Oh man, I'm in rant mode today. I'm going to only be on here for a little bit. But this is the this is the paradigm shift. This is this is actually the issue we have in the church. Is that more people know doctrine and don't know Jesus, assuming that you can find Jesus in doctrines. Doctrines help us grow in our understanding of scripture, the right ones at least. But the doctrine is Jesus. It's Jesus. What did Jesus tell the Pharisees? He said, you search the scriptures for in them you believe you have eternal life. And yet those scriptures that you're searching for are testifying of me, the word in flesh. In the beginning was the Logos. That word, word in that, in that, in, in John chapter one, in the beginning was the word, that word is Logos. That word is the spoken word. Past tense, it's already been done. It's already been spoken. And now this word has been manifest in flesh. The Logos has become flesh and dwelt among us. As we read in in verse 14, full of grace. So the word is full of grace and truth. Bible study for another time. I'm not here for Bible study. I'm here just to give you a quick point. <laughs> I'm here to give you just my one, one quick point. And I'm, I'm getting closer and closer to it. So stick with me for a second. Join me on this journey for a second. Jesus knows who he is. He's God. And if we back up for a second, he's God. And he's God not because you think he is. He's not God because you believe he is. He's not God because you know he is. He's God because he is God. Like submit to that first. He is. And many will profess that he is not. Others will argue that he is not. Doesn't concern him. Now, notice that while he knows who he is, what is a man who knows who he is and all his power and all his authority? What does he do? He becomes flesh and he dwells among us. Deborah, we did a whole Bible study on the whole son of God thing. Um, if you can check it out, it's, uh, we have it on, uh, just follow discord, ask the questions. They'll tell you where it is. 
I want to sit here for a second because this is so important, y'all. This is so important. And I don't want us to miss it because we have a Jesus who has all power, all authority. Like God in flesh. And how does he rule? How how does a God who has all this authority, how does he exercise this power and authority? He dwells among us. He dwells among us. Jesus fully knows who he is. He's not trying to figure himself out. Jesus knows who he is. Okay. Okay. He's not. He's not like us. We're still trying to figure it out. He's not trying to figure anything out. He knows who he is. He knows who we are. He knows everything. He's got it figured out. And what does he do? He dwells among us. <laughs> Lives with us. Dines with us. Dwells with us. If I was Jesus, I'd have been flexing from the gate. <laughs> I'd be honest. I'd have been flexing, flexing on everybody. I'd have been doing hopscotches on water, backflipping. I would have started my own TV show. <laughs> I would have, I would have, man, I would have been, listen, I would have started my, my televangelism ministry. <laughs> <laughs> I would have listen. I would have turned that thing up. Started my own channel on cable, called the Jesus Channel. <laughs> I would have done all of it. I would have been lit, causing rain to happen and causing rain to stop. I would have had all kinds of different ideas of things I would do. Lit. I would have lit that thing up, flexing on them with my God power. That's what I would have done. <laughs> Whoo! Thank the Lord I wasn't Jesus. <laughs> thank the Lord I wasn't Jesus because I know I would have flexed. But why? Have you ever thought about this for a second? Why? To be affirmed? To, to be approved? Why? So people can see, oh, wow, he is God. Why? So people can go, oh, look at Jesus. He's the man. I mean, why? Why would, why? To what end would I flex? People who flex have a certain thing missing in them. And because they have not yet found self-validation and self-affirmation, they're going to go and chase it from other people. I find that often the people who are have less esteem of themselves are the ones who spend more time flexing, trying to prove to others they are who they are. 
And in the end, even though you've proven to everybody else you are who you are, or you got money or you have talent, you have ability, you have all these things. In the end, you leave feeling unfulfilled because at the end of the day, you realize maybe you're not who you think you are. The true validation does not come from without. It comes from the spirit of God who fills us up within. And maybe many of us, most of us here need to experience God's validation. And in doing so would drive us to be exactly who God calls us to be. You want to know why it's hard for us to know who we are? Because we're trying to still seek validation from public consensus. You want to know why it's so hard for us to figure ourselves out? Because we would rather hear the voice of those within our periphery than the voice of God. You want to know why it's hard for us to figure out who we are? Because we haven't gotten over the fact that maybe God, what God says concerning us, is so much better than what anybody else could say concerning us. Maybe the reason why we're flexing it's because we're trying to convince ourselves of something we have no possibility or capability of convincing ourselves of. Validation. But when you know who you are, you don't need to flex in public. I'm getting to my point, family. Jesus must have been flexing. I just think about this for a second. Jesus must have been flexing in his own private time. He probably brought a pigeon to life. We don't know. He was probably, you know, when he was in his adolescent years, he was probably, you know, fixing people's knees. And, you know, he was just, you know, he probably turned wine to wine a couple of times. You know, he's like, mom, I just feel like drinking juice today. And mom was like, Mary was like, listen, I ain't got no juice for you. And he was like, all right, hold up. And he went outside, put a cup in the river and came back with like, you know, a glass of Kool-Aid. Jesus was probably doing all kinds of different stuff. We can't know because it wasn't recorded in the Bible. But stay with me for a second. Jesus was definitely flexing. He just was not flexing in public. Jesus was definitely flexing. I know he brought a pigeon to life. I know he did. Mom was probably like, man, I'm hungry. He's like, hold on, I'm going to go outside and bring you a pigeon. <laughs> Jesus was definitely flexing. Trust me. You want to know why? There's no way Mary would run up to Jesus when they ran out of wine and Mary went up to Jesus with all the confidence she had and said, Jesus, do something about it. There's no way. The only way that Mary can come to Jesus with that kind of confidence because Jesus has done it before. <laughs> it's the only way. It's the only way. I, I, am I alone here? <laughs> right? So if Jesus was who he was, he didn't have to be who he was for public opinion or public consensus. He was who he was. God in the flesh. And here's the fun part, y'all. When Mary asks him in public, hey, Jesus, uh, we ran out of wine. This is our cousin's party. 
You need to do something about this. Fix this. Jesus says to her in what we read in John chapter two, verse four, he said, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. He's like, fix it. And Jesus is like, I'm not doing this in front of people. In a day and age today, where people are quick to show off what they're capable of doing, their ability, their skill, their talent. In a day and age where people want to prematurely step into things, I don't care if God called you to be a pastor. You might have gotten a call from God to be a pastor. Maybe it's not your time. I don't care if, if God called you to, 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 to a certain you know, calling or role. Maybe it's not your time. And nowadays, we have people who prematurely run into positions and callings because they heard from God and because they had a vision. And I've seen too many people fall flat on their face in whatever they've been called to do because they stepped into it prematurely. Jesus told the woman straight up, Jesus had no intention to flex. And the first recorded miraculous sign of Jesus Christ in his life and his ministry, the first recorded miraculous miracle was done in hesitation. Jesus said, hold up, woman. Hold, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. This ain't my time yet. Like, hold up. Chill out. My hour has not yet come. Man, I wish more of them. I'm, I wish there were more people who were like that, who just took their time. Jesus didn't rush into it. You want to know why? Because Jesus didn't need anybody's validation. Jesus knew exactly who he was and he knew exactly where he was going. And of course, Jesus says, all right, go ahead, fill the water pots, you know, do it. Hes hesitate. He hesitated, but then he said, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And of course, the disciples who followed him, followed him and saw the miracle. And it was there, it says beginning, uh, verse 11 says, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. I love that part of the text. And again, that's another conversation for another day. They hadn't seen him yet perform. They hadn't seen him glorified through miraculous signs. They hadn't seen any of that. And yet they followed him. I love that they followed him because of who he was, not because of what he could do. I leave you with this final thought. And I really want you all to dwell on this. Because if we could just be a little bit more like Jesus, we would slow down. If we could be a little bit more like Jesus, we wouldn't chase after a whole bunch of followers. If we'd be more like Jesus, we'd take our time to grow and develop. I'm not talking about hide, to grow. If we took our time, 
we would allow God to fully mature us into what we were called to do. He was maturing in his power and his grace. They followed him because Jesus knew them and they knew Jesus. They followed him, not because of what Jesus could do. They followed him because of who Jesus is. This is the part of the text I, th I believe is so powerful because there's too many people following Jesus for what Jesus could do. Too many of us follow Jesus because we want to be healed. We want a big house. We want a car. We think that if we follow Jesus, we're going to get stuff from him. Uh, but a true follower of Jesus doesn't need Jesus to do a single thing. A true follower of Jesus follows Jesus because they know who he is, not because of what he can do. The disciples followed Jesus before he even performed a miracle. And it's when they performed, when he performed a miracle that they believed him, meaning they followed him before they believed him. Isn't that kind of crazy, y'all? Because nowadays in the church, we tell people, believe, then be a part. Believe in Jesus, then join the church. Believe in Jesus, then join the community. Believe in Jesus, and then not realizing that even in the body, there were places for people to doubt. Ooh, this is going to be tough today. In the church, there's still a place for people to doubt. In the church, there's still a place for people to ask questions. In the church, there's still a place for people to say, I'm not sure I know where I stand. The disciples followed Jesus and yet still did not have a full understanding of who he was. And if we'd be more like Jesus, we wouldn't, we wouldn't wait for people to believe what we believe. We would just love them, have relationship with them, show grace, show mercy. But no, we're too busy trying to convert people and change people rather than love people. Who I'm a little too lit today. And the problem is, is that we have people who we try to make them believe in belief systems. We have too many people that we try to make them believe in ideologies. And then we wonder why nowadays discipleship is more about what you know and what you're convinced of and actually how you live. That's why we got a bunch of people who call themselves Christians. Sorry if I get lit for a minute, but we have a bunch of people who call themselves Christians, but really they just have a belief in a belief system, but they don't embody and reflect Christ. Being a Christian is not about what you know. Being a Christian is about how you live. And too many folks are fixated on doctrines and ideas and that's why now it almost seems like, especially in Western Christianity, that being a Christian is a person who espouses to a set of beliefs. And it confuses everybody else, everyone, everybody else, everywhere else, because everybody else, everywhere else knows that to be a Christian is not based off of the set of things you agree to or believe, but rather based off of how you live. We're too busy trying to convert people to our own ideology and mindset rather than loving people 
and letting the spirit of God transform their heart. True Christians are tired of religion. True Christians are tired of religion. Church people love religion. This is not about exclusivity of ideas. But can we just stop for a moment and just love people, serve people, care for people? <laughs> well, once they're a Christian, then I'll care for them. Fam, none of them would have been around Jesus. They didn't believe him and Jesus told them to follow him. He said, follow me. Let's just go. Come on. Let's do this. Let's do this thing called life together. Come follow me. See how I live. Maybe people would be converted if they saw how you lived, not what you knew. Um, I'm ranting. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, listen, I told you already. This is the read and rant. Okay. Read and rant. All right. I, I set the bar really low here. Okay. So, you know, hey, listen, it's time for me to go. You can go. If you got something to do, go ahead and do it. But let me just lean on this for a second. Maybe more people would come to Jesus when they see how you actually live. Like, instead of telling them what you know, show them based off of how you live. Come on, fam. It's so simple. We make it complicated. Can I just say this real quick? Real quick. And I'm just, again, ranting. Just ranting, y'all. You guys know that when the church exploded, the greatest explosion of the Christian church in the, in the first century, the greatest explosion of the Christian church, you know there was no Bible, right? Shh. There was no, there was no Bible. You know that, right? Right? They just had a bunch of letters that they were passing around. You know that, right? I don't get any trouble. I don't, I don't get any trouble with the theologians here. You know, when the first century church grew and exploded, there was no Bible. There was no denomination. They had a bunch of letters that they were passing out to one another. How then was the church exploding when there was no statement of faith, no church website? No marquee on the side of the street. How was the church exploding? Have you ever thought for a second, fam, that maybe what people were following were not a set of ideas, but rather a way of life? Have you ever thought that maybe what people were inspired by was the way that God was moving miraculously through them? Maybe if we were filled with the Holy Spirit, and moved in the power of God, maybe more people will come to faith. People, people, hear me. Hear me, y'all. Hear me, y'all. I love y'all. <laughs> Let me stop because I'm going to get in trouble and I'm out of time. <laughs> um, I'm usually on Discord, y'all. I'm usually on Discord. 
Um, I'm not on IG and TikTok as often, only because my schedule's been nuts, but I come on every morning on Discord. And also, if you'd love to support us, support us on Patreon. Um, but I came on here. This is my first time on here in a while, in a long minute. So I'm glad I got to hang out with you guys on TikTok um, and IG. And of course, my Discord family, you guys are always here. I just want to close. I just want to close with this thought. I will post it on Patreon, Morgan. I'm posting on Patreon right after this. Um, I just want to leave you with one thought. By the way, Discord, I didn't even say it. Discord.gg slash Opus Frere. Patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. If you'd love to support. Discord.gg slash Opus Frere. O-P-U-S-F-R-E-R-E. <clears throat> and then uh, Patreon.com slash Isaac, I-S-A-A-C-F-R-E-R-E. I will leave this thought and we're going to prayerfully close out with this thought. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus didn't feel like he had to flex. Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. And maybe we should be less about the show and more about the heart. The disciples who followed him had not yet even seen him perform. They did not yet see him glorified. They did not yet see him move in that kind of power, but they were connected to him. May we be connected to Jesus. May we be connected to who Jesus is, not what Jesus can do. Dear Father, thank you. Bless us today, Lord, as we close out today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would guide us and lead us, Father. I ask, Lord God, that um, you inspire us today. Lord, to see you in all things, Lord, to live a life of humility and submission, not one where we have to prostrate our, our names and our brands and the flex and all that, but Father, Lord, that we would just simply live a life in total submission and service, Father. Teach us, Lord, to live as you live, that even though you had all authority and all power, you dwelled with your people. Lord, teach us to dwell, Lord God. Teach us to be present, Lord, today, Lord, present in our cities, present in our communities, present at our jobs, present in our homes. Just teach us to be present today. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'll see y'all on Discord tomorrow, fam. We'll be doing prayer. God bless you guys. Love y'all. Peace out.